0: All right, welcome back to the Debt Truck Podcast. My name is Freddy Magger and I'm here with uh, Nick Roush and we're here to talk to you about some football, uh, both high school and
1: college, Nick Roush. Yeah, maybe even a little dash of pro football too.
0: Maybe a little dash. That's right. So we got you covered in everything football. We uh, we appreciate you being with us. And let's jump right into it, Nick Roush. The Kroger KSR game of the week. Uh, this week is the Belfry Pirates at the Pikeville Panthers. And these two teams don't like each other very much. This is the 73rd time that they've played. Wow. Um, both quarterbacks have college offers. Uh, Pikeville's wait, 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 wait. Isaac McNamee has an offer from EKU and Marshall and uh, he is the son of the head coach Chris McNamee whom I played against this is a little factoid, Nick Nick Ooh, played against and beat in the regional championship <laughs> and then Pikeville goes on to win every game for the next three years don't lose a game for three years and win three consecutive state championships so Uh, Chris McNamee and I got to know each other very well the night that we beat them at Pikeville um, in a very cold night, and I've known him ever since. A heck of a guy with two great coaches, Philip Haywood at Belfry. I know him very well. Also, uh, going back uh, again to glory days, Nick Rouse, Belfry was number one in their classification in the 3A, and we were right up there in 1A, and we played twice. And both of us were averaging, I don't know, 50-plus point, points a game. Both games ended in a 7-6 score, and Belfry beat us two years in a row by the score of 7-6. So, oh, that's, that's my brutal. personal experience with these guys. Uh, but Belfry won. They, both teams won last week. Belfry, 33-13 uh, to 13, 13 win over Pulaski County. Uh, star running back for Belfry, Isaac Dixon had 14 carries, 194 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, those are pretty good numbers for a running back, if I do say so myself. And then Pikeville beat Raceland uh, in, a, in a game that featured a bunch of weather breaks, lightning delays. It was wet. It was rainy. Uh, but Pikeville came out with the win. Blake Birchfield, 13 carries, 151 yards. Uh, Isaac McNamee, the quarterback from Pikeville, we talked about. Ten out of twenty for 137 yards. These two teams are coming in undefeated, one and zero, and both are reigning state champions. Pikeville beat Paintsville 43 to nothing last year in the title game, and then Belfry beat uh, Bell County 30 to 20 to wrap up another state championship for the legendary coach Philip Haywood from Belfry. So this promises to be a uh, a heated game, a rivalry game that features two of the best teams uh, in all of Eastern Kentucky. So I'm very happy that we're head needs to cover this game, Nick Roush.
1: My question for you, Freddie, you said that two quarterbacks – wait, Belfry passes the football?
0: Belfry passed the football for 13 yards last week against Pulaski County. So Brett Coleman <laughs> is the quarterback uh, <laughs> from Belfry. That is the Miami of Ohio commit. Uh, he's an athlete, heck of a defensive player. Uh, he is being recruited as an athlete, I'm sure. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, B- yeah, Belfry threw the football for all of 13 yards last mm-hmm. week and its win over uh, Pulaski County. Who Pulaski County is a, is a, is another very good team uh, that you could cl- classify from Eastern Kentucky.
1: I uh, actually uh, watched Belfry play last year. They beat my DeSales Colts at the – I mean – I forget the exact circumstances, Freddie, but I believe they needed a two point conversion to win. They scored. Yeah, with that's like right. No time left on the clock. And I mean, it was bang, bang play right at the end zone. Real disheartening. But Belfry, man, they got a heck of a program down there. They're going to run that wing tee, uh, which was DeSales' base back in the day. Uh, so, like, I know all too well about it. And it was it was funny, Freddie. We actually talked to Austin Dotson this week, a Belfry alumni. And he was just, he was kind of joking about like, you know, it, it, took him a little bit longer to develop because he's like, yeah, I'm pass blocking. That's just something i never had to do. So <laughs> it's a little bit different learning how to set your box, but, uh, heck he's even excited for this game in Fightville because it's one of the biggest of the year. And he said, there's, it's, it's about as nasty and as hard fought as you see in in all of football games across the state.
0: Absolutely. I mean, these teams are, are in the same County and, and, Pike County, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've always said, and I'll keep saying it, Kentucky's a football state. Pike County is definitely a football county. I mean, it comes first and foremost. And the two schools that are continually in in the chase uh, for state championships uh, are Belfry and Pikeville. Pikeville beat Belfry last year, 22 hmm. to 21. Um, wow. and, and we had a two-point conversion in there. And, and that's great. Uh, continuing on with the Kroger KSR can, can game. Can
1: I ask you a question, one more question, Freddie, about Pikeville-Belfry? Absolutely. Uh, am I correct in saying that Pikeville is like the city school and Belfry's the the, the boys from the holler? Is that, is that a safe assumption? Well,
0: Pikeville, you know, in eastern Kentucky, it's quite common uh, to have a city or an independent school. Uh, so Pikeville is the city school, that is correct. Belfry is a county school. Uh, where I'm from, you have Harlan Independent, which is an independent city school. Then you have Harlan County High School. So that's very common in eastern Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, that adds that adds fuel to the fire. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching these two teams play. You know, Brett Coleman, the quarterback, again, tremendous athlete. Isaac McNamee threw for 2,464 yards and 32 touchdowns as a sophomore. That's a lot. So, uh, that's a lot. So we got some good players heading uh, – going to face off. Now I will be at the Moorhead Kroger at 2.30 on Friday and we're going to do some video like we did last week and I'll be giving away Kroger gift cards. But in order to be eligible for that gift card, you have to say the magic words. Mm-hmm. Kroger presents the KSR Game of the Week, Belfry versus Pipeville. You have to say that in order, in order to get a gift card. And uh, I will be at the Moorhead Kroger at 2.30 on Friday uh, to be doing that, doing a little video, like I said, and giving away the gift card. So that's this week's Kroger game of the week. Uh, uh, Last week's Kroger KSR game of the week was a dandy. Yeah, Uh, uh, North Harden beat Douglas with a last-minute field goal. Man, and, and, and Nick, I was standing right there. I could have caught the field goal as it went through the uprights.
1: So, <laughs> to, I, did you think it was going in? Because it was a I, can of corn, man. There was a pop up. Well, listen,
0: the snap rolled back to the hold, the holder. The holder <laughs> is the hero of the game. Somehow, the holder got the ball on the tee. And, and let me explain that for a second for those that may not know. In, in high school, extra points and field goals, you still have a tee, mm-hmm. right? College and little... pros, you you kick off the ground a little bit different. So the snap rolled back. The holder somehow got the football on the tee. The kicker kicked it. Jagger Burton got two hands on it, and it still went through the uprights. And yeah. uh, it, it was uh, it, it was a game over. North Harden won. Great great game. Even though it was limited fans and all the restrictions due to COVID, uh, the atmosphere was electric. And we got to see some playmakers, Dane Key, uh, DeKale Crowdis, obviously Jagger Burton mm-hmm. from Douglas, and, and a host more. And then – but Lavelle Wright took over the game in the yeah. second half. The running back from North Harden, he he took it over. And, and you have to give the North Harden coaching staff credit for load management for Lavelle Wright because in the first half, he really didn't do a lot. Didn't get a lot mm-hmm. of carries, wasn't involved. But the second half – Vell Wright took over, and and, and and it was his game, and uh, he he had some tremendous runs, some power runs, some speed runs, and uh, he is a fantastic football
1: player. He caught the ball out of the backfield well too, um, and I he know did. that that last play where it, it was more of an improvise that that set him up for that field goal. But man, that final drive, Freddie, you know, Frederick Douglass was pretty methodical to take the lead. And North Harden, I thought they were dead in the water a couple of times. And there were three plays in that final drive. There was one catch down the sideline. And forgive me for not knowing the the kid's name who made it. It was an incredible catch that just got him to, like, the 40. And then as time is running around, the North Harden quarterback, I think his name is Awanamy or – that kid, he's got a freaking cannon. He he just yeah. one 60 yards, like just what? with the flick of a wrist. But he flips it to Lavelle Wright as the pressure's coming. I thought he was gonna get sacked. He had the 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 awareness to see Wright flip it to him, and then Wright really just willed his way through like five guys to get him Yeah. In the field goal range. It was a heck of a play.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was a tremendous play. Showed his power, showed his balance on that, showed his toughness. Uh, but, yeah, it was a week one of the Kroger presents the KSR game of the week was a tremendous success. Uh, we feel that this week is going to be uh, even more of a success. Uh, I know the KSR radio crew is going to go down and do their 10 o'clock show on Friday at, at Pikeville, somewhere uh, close to the facility, and, and that's going to be exciting. If you've not read the website, Drew Franklin did his Drew Franklin take, uh, take on the game, twenty. 20 or so notes on the Belfry-Pikeville rivalry and Pike County in general. Uh, we have two or three more articles coming up uh, today and tomorrow, so we'll have you covered for that game as can, well.
1: Can I read you an excerpt from one article we've got coming out? This is um, – which I'm sure you – by the time this podcast is released, it will already be out, but this is from Daryl's preview. It says, my grandfather described the rivalry best in my opinion. He always said that Belfry boys will spit beach nut in your eye just before handing you out a good old-fashioned butt whooping while Pikeville fans will take you to court and sue the socks off you.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Anytime you get a rivalry game like this, I mean, you know, and and I'm hoping that through us uh, making this the the Kroger KSR game of the week that we can highlight – the, the the nuances of this rivalry mm-hmm. because i've heard about it my entire life i grew up in southeastern kentucky and uh you know it's just a lot of fun you know, and everybody knows about the you know saint x trinity uh, mm-hmm. you know so many more throughout the state but this one is a uh this one is ha- offers uh, many unique twists that we're going to see friday night exactly exactly so, can't wait so, uh, so the ksr football writers Adam Luckett, Nick Roush uh, have put together position previews for uh, the Kentucky Wildcats. So far, you can go back, and if you, if you missed it, you can look at the running back position preview, the quarterback position, and the wide receiver tied in. Now, with that, I'm giving my two, two cents worth, uh, offering some historical perspective on that. And with the running back crew, Nick, I said something in there that, that a lot of people uh, are not questioning but, but find interesting, and I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, text and, and, and feedback from, is when I said that this year's Kentucky, the 2020 Kentucky running back room is equal to and, Matt, and stacks up to those running back rooms during the Jerry Claiborne era. And, and, and that is saying a whole heck of a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, just, I mean, Mark Higgs led the NFL in rushing, uh, one year. Uh, yeah, if you, he's if, one of those guys. He's pretty good.
0: If you go back starting with George Adams and you go all the way through to Al Baker, uh, there's six NFL draft picks that was in that room. That's you know, then, then you include fullback Andy Murray in there and then fullback slash tight end slash H back Terry Samuels from Louisville mail. I mean, you're looking at seven draftees in, in, in a running back room over a course of, you uh, know, uh, a few years during that Jerry Claiborne era. But for but for me to say that, Nick, and for me to mean that, that's a tremendous compliment because you, Kentucky has a trio of returning running backs that are all over 200 pounds, collectively average over six yards per carry, and, and, and with A.J. Rose, Vasier Smoke, Chris Rodriguez, Jr., that, is, that, 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 that makes a collection of, of backs that can wear a defense down. But now we're hearing from Eddie Grant and others that Jaton McClain and Travis Tisdale are, are, are pushing, and those two offer a change of pace, a, a change, you know, going away from the power running game that is a staple of the Eddie Grant offense. And the Mark Stoops philosophy, you, know, you, have, you have McClain and Tisdale that are, uh, are changing direction back that are quick backs you know not they're not 200 pounders like the other ones but they can offer something special for this kentucky run rushing attack now the wide receiver and tied end. i think we all agreed on that that the receiver core for kentucky all eyes are going to be on them Nick Roush. Mm-hmm. because if kentucky has a i wouldn't say question mark but but a position that we really don't know much about that would be the kentucky wide receivers you know, Josh Shiley is is the feature receiver coming back from 2019. He had 23 catches. Now, normally when you talk about a, a feature receiver, you know, they're up in the 60, 70, 80 catch range. You know, Josh Shiley is coming in as the, the top target for Terry Wilson was only 23 catches. And the rest of them, you have to give the receivers credit took the blocking role when Lynn Bowden was inserted at quarterback and, and, and blocked at an extremely high, extremely unselfish level. And, and I am anxious to see how this wide receiver core reacts to actually running patterns, to catching footballs, because the more successful this wide receiver crew is, the more the defense has to honor uh, Kentucky throwing the football. And you're not going to see eight, nine defenders in the box or Kentucky can hurt them with the pass, hurt the opponent with the pass. So the more the receiver crew can can produce, the more freedom it's going to allow for that running attack behind the best line in this Southeastern Conference. So that's where our receiver position is key for Kentucky.
1: Yeah, and Freddie, it almost, you almost feel like a broken record at this point with the UK wide receivers where... Even in the good years, it's like, well, we know there's this one guy, but what about the rest of them? I mean, right. You had this with Juice Johnson. You had this with Lynn Bowden. And the one rare year that you had two, it was Bidette and Johnson. Uh, you know, you, we saw what Eddie Grant's offense could do to extend the field vertically. So, uh, oh, it really does just come down to proving it. Yeah. I, if I'm going to – put my money on any one of those players to to be that guy it's uh, i'm going to put it on demarcus harris and yeah. it's it's some of it it's it's because harris does a little bit he checks a lot of boxes for me um not only because he put up just like stupid numbers at the high school level i mean he led the state of florida in receiving as a high school senior like that doesn't that doesn't happen that's hard to do but he's good size he's really fast he's like four four. he's really uh gotten thicker. You know, he's added some mass, as they would say. But I think most importantly is between the years uh, that, that Freddie. That's become something that I've just valued more. The more and more I've done this, the more and more I value how how these kids are. And like I, I was the kind of manic kid who kind of read my press clippings, and there's a lot of them out there like that. And it's hard to be really good and not have that steady just like workman's kind of mentality, and I think this kid's got it. So I'm, I'm bullish on the redshirt freshman to be that that other guy aside from Josh Ali to, to really uh, make an impact and, and be a consistent player for Eddie Green's offense.
0: Yeah, we've heard a lot about DeMarcus. Uh, Bryce Oliver is another receiver that we're hearing quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, from, from preseason camp. Uh, so, again, all eyes will be on the wide receiver position group. To see how that they can stretch the field and loosen up the defense, uh, because I don't care how good your offensive line is, uh, I don't care how good your running backs are. If you're constantly going against eight, nine men in the box, then it, it makes it difficult. I and mean, I think uh, Kentucky fans, and, and you know me included, was spoiled last year because the, 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 Kentucky with Lynn Bolton quarterback was facing defenses with up to ten players in the box and still ripping them to pieces. Mm -hmm. I mean, look look what Louisville tried to do, you know, and and was not successful, tried to stop that Kentucky rushing attack. And, and, you know, Mark Stoops hadn't called off the dogs. Kentucky would have rushed for 700 yards that day. (laughs) And and, and really that's that's not that Uh far-fetched, you know, because it ran for over 500 and and had a whole quarter to really to deal with. So uh, uh, the tight end position, you know, uh, Justin Rigg is on the Mackey Award watch list, uh, best inline blocking tight end in the SEC last year. Uh, Vince Merrill thinks he's got a lot in the tank as far as catching the football, and then with him is Keith Nupshaw, who has uh, who has as high of a of a ceiling as any player on the team uh, as far as his mm-hmm. particular position group and how good he could be. Uh, Brendan Bates has got some got some positive feedback from the coaches. So I think the tight end group is deep and talented, and uh, will, will continue to be steady and is hungry to catch the football.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. that
0: that group wants the football thrown at them. So
1: if you far, if I so were that, to just tell a fan like if they were like who's the like. Guy that you look at and say, "Wow, I can't believe that guy plays for Kentucky." Keaton Upshaw is the most physically impressive player on the team. He's just, you know, it, it's 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 now it's a matter of uh, getting some consistent, steady production out of him because I mean, he's every bit of six six, almost six seven, three hundred forty pounds, and he can move like the wind. I mean, he is he is an impressive human being.
0: Well, yeah, I, for the entire offense, I would say Keaton Upshaw. Uh, at 6'6", 240, Uh, and then I would say Darian Kennard at 6'5", 330, whatever he is, are uh, are two of the most physically imposing players on that offense. And, you know, both of them were recruited by Vince Merrill. No, Mm -hmm. uh, No surprise there.
1: Two Ohio guys.
0: Two Ohio guys. All right, Nick, next topic. Big Ten has voted to return football and start on October the 24th playing an eight-game schedule with a ninth game for the conference championship, should the Big Ten be allowed to be eligible for the playoffs?
1: The thing is, Freddie, I think what's going to happen is some teams are going to have some cancellations. you got to get at least – I think – for them to be eligible, you need to play all eight and have your your Big Ten conference champion to be in it. But I don't I don't think any of them are gonna get it. They've got some really tough restrictions, more so than any other conference. And I think you're gonna see a lot of cancellations. They yeah. don't have any bye weeks in there to rearrange their schedule. So I, I don't I just I don't think it's gonna happen.
0: I, I think this decision was made for one team.
1: Oh, that's State. Ohio
0: State. Yeah, because <laughs> the conference. And I think Ohio State will win a national championship. And I think they're very, very good team. And, and but th- let's not fool ourselves here by thinking that Northwestern was influential in this. Let's not <laughs> let's not fool ourselves by saying that whomever else was influential. This was an Ohio State driven decision, and, and that's what it is. I mean, and and I I'll be honest with you. The SEC is playing ten SEC games, as much as is. I think that the ACC is Clemson and a bunch of Roy's. Uh, Roy meaning rest of y'all. I, I think that you know Ohio State was the deciding factor on this that they could stand up uh, and play a Clemson and play a Clemson closely. So. We'll see about that, but I, I, I I'm not for sure that I agree that that a, a, a conference playing two f- fewer games than the rest of them three if you had a, t- a championship game should be eligible for the playoff, but that's above my pay grade. But but let's not fool ourselves on this, folks. The Big Ten decision was an Ohio State decision, and they they are driving that train. Notre Dame joins the ACC, Nick Roush, and and I. <laughs> I have a hard time with Notre Dame forcing it, itself into that parameter where where they they join a conference for one season, maybe or, or maybe more. Who knows? But they have the power to do that, and uh, that that just blows my mind that Notre Dame can can all of a sudden say, "Yeah, we we want to we want to play in the ACC." Uh, Notre Dame has that power, I guess. But as an, as an independent, couldn't get the schedule put together. So, hey, what do we do? We join the ACC for this year.
1: Is there, is there any reason in particular it bugs you? Yeah, because everybody else has played by the
0: rules for so long that Notre Dame just says, hey, uh, we want to join a conference to play. For, that way we can play for a, a playoff spot. And, and that does bug me for some reason. I don't know why it bugs me, but, but it does. It's probably because they
1: they already had, like, the playoff already made so many, like, exceptions for Notre Dame when they weren't playing in a conference. Like, they could get into a New Year's Six just by winning 10 games, and they didn't have to do the conference championship game or anything.
0: You know, again, I I don't mean to, 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 to bash the ACC, but what kind of conference allows a program to play every sport in that conference other than football? And allow football to remain independent until Notre Dame needs a conference to play in. Then the ACC welcomes them with open arms. Uh, it is what it is. Notre Dame is a brand, and uh, it's just seeming weird. And I don't think we're going to have to worry about Notre Dame making the playoff this year. <laughs> 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 not with not 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 with what I saw out of Clemson on Saturday. Put it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? They're really hopeful that they're going to get a Notre Dame-Clemson ACC championship. Really hopeful.
0: Yeah, we'll see. No, uh big uh, Joey Gatewood decision could be coming this week. What's your thoughts on that, Nick Ross?
1: I would like to see Joey Gatewood get eligible this week. Uh, you know, I feel like we've been playing this wait game, waiting game forever. But from what I've heard and what I understand, like, Joey Gatewood is a nice insurance plan and even if he is eligible at best you know you're you're probably doing some wildcat things with him you know three or four plays a game but not a not a whole lot even if you have Joey Gatewood available right away so I don't think it 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 would dramatically alter uh, Kentucky's chances of winning at Auburn if he's not eligible for that game
0: yeah I agree and if Joey Gatewood is not eligible for Auburn, and then you had Matt and him talking about the gentleman's agreement between Kentucky and Auburn about if he becomes eligible from the SEC, then he did not play against Auburn. So um, that is, that is a, a point of conversation for a later time. If, if Gatewood is not eligible, who's, who is number two going into week one
1: against Auburn? Bo is Allen. it Sawyer
0: Smith or is it it's, Bo Allen?
1: It's, it's Bo Allen. Um, I'm about 90%. I, I, I feel like the way things have been going, they just they feel really comfortable about what Bo Allen can do, not only in the future, but now. Uh, even though he probably doesn't know the entire offense as well, I think they're more comfortable with him in that smaller package than they are with Sawyer Smith. Yeah.
0: Bo Allen's a student of the game. I'm sure he is working overtime to make sure he's ready. if called upon, uh, but that would be an interesting – scenario and and, and a scenario that I hope that we don't see uh, because we did our quarterback preview and and I emphasized over and over, this is Terry Wilson's team. He's earned it. Uh, He is, you know, 12 and three as a starter. Uh, Terry Wilson has earned this uh, to be his team. So again, this is Terry Wilson's team and there is no questions about that. Nick Rouse,
1: in my opinion. No, no, no question at all.
0: Benny and Bud versus the Giants. Benny Snell, nineteen carries, one hundred and thirteen yards. Man had a tremendous game. Bud Bud Dupree was all over the field, causing havoc uh, against the Giants. So, but I think I think Benny has arrived in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's going to rush for a thousand yards or a hundred yards in every game, but that was a strong showing from Benny, and you could tell that he had cut weight got a little quicker, Mm -hmm. got a little faster. And and I think that is the best that I have seen Benny Snell run since the first time I saw Benny Snell run at Kroger field.
1: And it was good that, you know, James Conner's a guy who's been injured a lot and you get the first game on Monday night football, he gets banged up and big Ben kind of struggled at the beginning of the game. You know, there was definitely some rust to wear off. Um, but he B- – Benny kind of carried the load for more. Gave him a nice little spark, so I'm really happy for him. He was one of only a few running backs that actually surpassed that 100-yard mark, so uh, great to see. It. And especially as a second-year player, Freddie, it's good that he he can carve out a, a role as a reliable option if Connor isn't good to go. And it it really opens the door for him to do more, too. Um, right, Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you could really time up when Benny began his production, productive day or night, rather, against the Giants. It's when Big Ben started being Big Ben again. So, you know, when you have that running back that can rush for 100 yards with you, that opens up the play-action pass. Mm -hmm. And then Ben Ben, uh, Roethlisberger just starts picking the Giants apart. The Steelers are my team. I'm not ashamed to say that. Oh, they're my team very too, Freddie. I saw. Yeah. yeah. I was very happy with what I saw. How,
1: how good is that defense, too, man? They were in Daniel Jones' lunch all day. I was, it,
0: it was havoc, man. Bud Dupree, uh, TJ Watt. I mean, it's just a barrage of defensive players that are flying towards the quarterback. And and, and one thing about that game is, man, having Chris Fowler and, and Kirk Herbstreet on the call was just heaven for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- those two are the the very best. And Monday Night Football was watchable again, you know, with those guys calling the game. It was uh, – I really enjoyed that. I hope that, they, uh, that, that the NFL doesn't steal those two. Yeah. And they remain yeah. featured in college football. But, man, it was so good to hear them on the call. It I really – I enjoyed – yeah, I, you know, when Herbie's on the call – or Romo, uh with the NFL. I've got my pad my my pad and pen out and I'm taking notes because those guys are the very, very best at what they do.
1: And some of the stuff that they point out to like they make it sound so simple. Yes. You're like, oh, how did I not see that? You know? Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and you know, I've called games on T V and and you know, the first thing they'll tell you, you know, you've got a percentage. If you want to go Full Frankie football and and fly thirty thousand feet with this. You're going to reach about two percent of your audience. Mm-hmm. You got you have you have to be able to to articulate what you're seeing to an audience that uh, you know you have you have your Harry footballs you fans that are just you know they they know everything you know they they're they're former coaches former players and then you have. Uh, a collection of fans that that are there just to enjoy the game just like to hear what is what what is taking place in a language and terminology in which that they can understand and i think herbie does a great job with that
1: he really does they're, they're the best i felt bad for the crew that went after him uh um, yeah that's like their new crew and you know yeah. i like steve levy but i'm used to seeing him on like the popeyes bahamas bowl not <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, Monday too. night football, like Lewis Riddick, he's he's fine too. But man, the, it's it's not the same when, when you don't have a, a proven crew like what they've got there with with Herbie and Fowler. Who they're going to be in, in Louisville this week, Freddie? The yeah, cards are that? getting college game day because uh Freddie. If you've seen, there's absolutely no other games that are worth a college game day trip. Well,
0: I mean, week one we had Clemson at Wake Forest. You know, a, thir- <laughs> a thirty-three point favorite and. And I tell you right now, Clemson is scary. Uh, you know, I know it's Wake. I know it's Wake Forest, but man, Clemson is absolutely scary. With Trevor Lawrence doing what he does, Travis Etienne, uh, that defense—I mean, receivers—you name it. Uh, Clemson is 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 scary, scary good this year. Let's cover week two. Go back over uh, week two in college football, where we had some very interesting scores. Uh, and a conference that uh, took it on the chin a little bit. The Big Twelve uh, start off there. Coastal Carolina, thirty-eight, Kansas, twenty-three, and the <laughs> the game was played at Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, so a a, a, a one-double-A team comes in and and beats up on Kansas pretty good. Uh, you know, at what point does the Mad Hatter? Uh, you know, when when does that when 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 does that experiment just you know chalk it up to Okay, it is what it is, but we need to move on. I mean, this week one, any if week one was any indication, Nick, uh, I, I can't see Kansas winning the game.
1: The DJ Elliott defense couldn't get more stops.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you give up thirty-eight to Coastal Shanta Carolina. Yeah.
1: Man, I I watched some of it too because you know I was watching every game on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I mean it was turning into a blowout in the first quarter. <laughs> Like I,
0: I know it, it twenty one
1: came back, but yeah, it was twenty one nothing.
0: Twenty one nothing. <laughs> I mean, they beat me the brakes off of. That has to be so disheartening for the Kansas fans. Uh, but I mean, you get what you pay for, and and uh, you know, you, I, I just didn't didn't see uh, the draw there for less miles. Um, but it is what it is, and, and we'll go. uh, We'll go with Kansas. I don't, I don't know. I can't see them. After week one, and you don't want a knee jerk reaction, but it'd be hard to see them win a game. Georgia Tech, 16, Florida State, 13. Um, Georgia Tech preseason was ranked 15th in the ACC, Uh, dead last. Nobody gave them a chance to do anything. Go to FSU, who, new coach, uh, supposedly a new attitude, and, and, and get beat 16 13. By a true freshman quarterback. And I really, really like this kid, Nick Mm -hmm. Rouse. Jeff Sims, 23 of 34 for 277 in the score, threw a couple uh, interceptions that were rookie plays, but he was calm. He was cool. Uh, He operated that offense, uh, kept getting knocked down, getting back up. Liked everything I saw about Jeff Sims. I think he is a future star in, in college football. And he has a similar throwing motion as Lamar Jackson. Uh, that quick dart throw, you know, just get it out of his hands quickly. And, and I liked everything about Jeff Sims. But, you know, that, that was a bad look for the ACC with Georgia Tech beating FSU in, in Tallahassee. But I, I think Georgia Tech, in my opinion, was the most improved team that I saw week two in all of college football.
1: Well, heck, they missed four field goals, or what was it? They got blocked? They, they got uh, two
0: field goals, and an extra point was
1: blocked. And then they still won. Uh, they still won, yeah. And you know what? Georgia Tech, they really – it felt like uh, – I mean, you know, I was changing between games and stuff like that, and they had a weather delay, but it felt like they were in control the whole time. Um, it did.
0: It really did. I mean, they totally outplayed FSU. And an and and early knee-jerk reaction – the first quarter Florida state looked like a total different program from a year ago. And, you know, I even tweeted at that. Like, hey, this is, this is a different Florida state team. And then the second quarter came, the third quarter came and the fourth quarter came and they reverted back to looking how it did last year and the year before that, which was flat, which was confused, which was error prone, penalty prone and, and lack of discipline. So, uh, Florida State's got a whole heck of a lot of work to do before uh as it climbs out of of the funk that it's been in but it's it's really strange to see Florida state not good and uh it's it's really strange maybe stranger to see Georgia Tech operate out of out of a spread look and throw the football with you know they're two they're two years away away from running the uh, uh the triple option. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that Jeff Collins has done a tremendous job at Georgia Tech, not only with transitioning offensive schemes, but to get total buy-in uh, from players that are not really not fit uh, or not do not match the skill set right. to run that offense. He's recruiting at a high level. Uh, I look forward to, to, to following Georgia Tech. I'm not saying they're going to go to a ball game. I'm not saying they're going to do – this, that, and the other. But as far as I'm concerned, that's the most improved team that I saw week two. Arkansas State 35, Kansas State 31 at in Manhattan. Arkansas State goes in and beats a Big 12 team uh, at home. And Ooh. Kansas State looked as flat as it could possibly be. I mean, it was, it was, it was a total uh, – you know, Arkansas State, Arkansas State beat them. It wasn't a fluke. Uh, and Kansas State just did not look ready to play to me, Nick Roush.
1: That Arkansas State receiver, that guy's a stud. he yeah, he, he made is. some plays. He made some plays out there. And that's kind of what I saw in the Iowa State game, too, where you had just some sunbelt yeah. teams who came out and just looked more prepared, ready to play. And uh, I think some of yeah. that is – Maybe it has a little bit to do with the atmosphere you know like the the kind of spoiled power five teams you know they're used to having stadiums filled with other guys you know they're 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 just playing football each week and it showed i mean they had they had a lot more juice and uh a uh, big big week for the sun belt
0: yeah louisiana thirty one iowa state 14 iowa state number twenty three in the country in preseason polls that, that, you know, again, I like to say this, don't be fooled by the logo. Louisiana is a better team than, Ohio, than Iowa State and, 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 you, and, and dominated that football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, the Arkansas State beating Kansas State, that's a logo confused game. So is Louisiana and Iowa State. A lot of teams played their first game out and uh, did not come out exactly on fire I did not was not I, did, I, I didn't realize that I had the ACC network because I'd never watched the A, ACC network. so I, I missed North Carolina's opening half. Uh, so I I, I I didn't get to see them. and then i, I saw some of Louisville, so uh, our next subject here is 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 the AP poll. Kentucky comes out at number twenty three uh, but I will go through this list. <laughs> and uh, and just tell you, highlight a little bit about the Kentucky schedule due to the in relation to the AP poll. Kentucky plays at number two Alabama, gets number four Georgia at home, goes to number five, Florida, goes to number eight at Auburn, and goes to number 15 at Tennessee. So unbelievably tough schedule. For the Wildcats, and and, and I think uh, uh, you know it's 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 daunting to be quite honest with you when you're going to Bama, Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee. That that's that is a tough stretch for the Cats. Uh, game day is going to be at Louisville, uh, number eighteen Cardinals taking on number seventeen Miami. Uh, be interesting to see uh, how both those teams come out, uh, but. Again, Kentucky schedule, you know, not all schedules are built the same. And Kentucky's as a, a, a tough a schedule that, that I can remember, especially playing uh, all those teams on the road like Alabama, Florida, Auburn, and Tennessee, That that's a tough stretch for the Cats. Um, we hope that you follow us uh, and Kroger as we go into the – Uh, Kroger presents the KSR game of the week. That is Belfry at Pipeville and that is one half of a rivalry game. Uh, We hope that you have enjoyed uh, talking football and and we've we've hit on everything from uh, high school football to college football to the NFL and uh, we hope that you have a great week. I appreciate you listening and we will talk to you next week. Remember, I will be at the Moorhead Kroger at 2.30 on Friday. Uh, We'll shoot some videos and be giving away gift cards. So until then, uh, thanks for listening.